Welcome to the Debbie Big Board, part of the Rookie Big Board Network. I'm your host, Skip Newton, joined by my co-host, Matt Cooper. Matt, we're going to get to lessons learned today from the previous season, but I do have to throw this at you. What do you think about the Nick Saban decision to uh, retire, stepping down from Alabama after a an absurdly, absurdly good coaching career? I mean, just phenomenal coaching career. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, definitely in the conversation for the greatest of all time. I think he has to be. And it's a shock, I think, to everybody that he made this decision. And I've already, I already saw earlier that they had a five-star wide receiver decommit after the news. So, um, yeah, it's gonna. there's going to be ripple effects. Um, from what I'm hearing, it sounds like one of the finalists for the, the job is uh, – or one of the – I guess I don't know about finalists, but one of the leading – kind of candidates for the job is Dan Lanning from Oregon. So yeah, I saw that too. I mean, somebody, a big name coach from somewhere else is going to come take this job and it's going to have impacts on recruiting and transfers and all kinds of things. So yeah, there's going to be a lot of ripple effects from this shocking decision from one of the greatest of all time to retire. I saw the the stat 199 and 16. That's that's an impressive record. I don't care what kind of talent you've got. You're you're doing a whole lot of things right with that kind of success. It it's been it's been fun to watch. Yeah, that's insane. So and six six, I believe, national championships. Yeah, six titles. Just yeah, that's awesome, right? I mean, just yeah, that's awesome. What can you say about it? Yeah. All right, we, we are gonna get into the lessons learned, but first we do need to talk about the fact that it is draft season, folks. You need to get ahead of your league mates with in-depth and consistently updated rookie rankings, supporting Dynasty and Debbie rankings, the 2024 Rookie Guide, and access to the RBB Discord where you can get personalized trade, draft, and roster construction advice. The Rookie Big Board is a proven resource that was ahead of everyone else on Justin Jefferson, identified Puka Nakua as the best sleeper prospect of 2023, and helped patrons get great fantasy football value on Justin Herbert, CeeDee Lamb, Chris Olave, Sam Laporta, and many more. You can get access to the Rookie Big Board resources for as low as $5 a month or save 15% with an annual subscription. That is cheaper than the money I saved by not having to buy a playoff ticket for my Vikings. So I guess that's the uh, the silver lining. So go <laughs> go other teams. Go go Detroit. Kind of like kind of like rooting for them. Cleveland for sure. And normally I'm not jumping on the Cleveland bandwagon, but Flacco's got me all excited. I, yeah, I don't know the Flacco I would, thing's fun, man. God, I would love to see him do well, and and I I, I kind of hope kind of Baltimore does well too. I mean, it, it's kind of funny in the off season, the whole Lamar Jackson is he going to sign? He wasn't getting offers, and man, it just all came <laughs> together. So I, it'd be nice. Browns to see fans that. were happy with you for a second, and then you said, "I hope Baltimore does well," and now they. Hate I know. Well, I like them both. I mean, it, it, <laughs> I, I can do that. I'm a I'm a I'm a Vikings fan. I don't. Yeah, don't, you can do whatever you want. I can ride whatever whatever side I want, but I know I'm not making any friends there. But so before we get into this, any any just you know leftover thoughts from the national championship? Of course, Michigan won, which was not a surprise. But from a prospect standpoint, anything? exciting i know donovan edwards couple of big runs yeah even though like i mean donovan edwards first big run it was like he chose the wrong hole he did what he'd been doing all season he ran straight into the offensive line and was about to get tackled for a loss <laughs> and then they right. just right like I he bounced backwards off of his offensive line and then 
oh look there's a hole over there let me go over there now and and when they showed the 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 replay from behind it was there the whole time yeah like he literally could have just cut outside and gone so yeah i was like god that <laughs> that's not exactly a good thing even though he busted like a 40 yard touchdown it's like dude you totally missed the spot <laughs> yeah so i don't know what to think about donovan edwards he he's got a lot to prove for me he needs to come back to school and you know, maybe get a chance to be the lead guy. But even like, I mean, he was kind of, was he the third string come playoffs? I mean, there was this other guy, number 20, that I didn't even really know who he was that seemed like he was taking carries ahead of Donovan Edwards. So I don't know what to think about yeah, Donovan Edwards. Weird. I will say, though, Blake Corum looked really, really good in that national championship game. I, I think the more that I watch Corum, the, the higher I get on him and – I think I haven't given him enough credit, really. Um, I, I've kind of profiled him as this low upside, coach is going to love him, kind of like a David Montgomery. Like he's going to get a bunch of snaps on an NFL team, but fantasy players are going to be screaming for somebody more explosive to get the touches instead. <laughs> um, but he showed some explosiveness in that national championship game. And, and that jump cut, the one touchdown where he kind of, pressed to the outside, manipulated the defender, then cut back with a jump cut, made a guy miss, he burst into the end zone. I mean, I was like, I tweeted out, that was an NFL-level run from from Blake Corum right there. So he he showed me something in that national championship game. That was really good to see. Yeah, I, I was hoping for a better showing from Penix. You know, he played extremely well in the, in the semifinal contest, and then... Mm -hmm just didn't couldn't pull it together against Michigan's really good defense. And I thought there were some opportunities there that, that were left. I thought he, he threw the ball up, you know, almost for grabs a couple of times where it's like, mm -hmm. man, you know, I would expect some, some better decision-making and yeah, he was under you don't pressure want to all night one and, game, and he struggled with it, which, yeah. you know, again, when you're like a fifth year senior or six year senior or whatever it is that Penix is. Yeah. You, you hope that you don't make some of those like rookie esque mistakes but yeah i think that was the worst i've ever seen Penix play and for a lot of people that don't watch debbie it was like their first time watching him play and they're like i thought this guy was good right so, right yeah well and mccarthy i i just can't get past the fact that it, it just feels like he never has to do anything like he he's never asked to go win a big game and throw up you know 350 yards and four touchdowns like that's just never part of their game plan or the game script. And I know you don't want to just box score stout. You got to watch the film, but that concerns me. I, I don't know. I like, if I'm going to spend a high, a high rookie pick on a quarterback, I want that quarterback to, to be a dominant college quarterback. Like just yeah. he's lighting up these players that are lesser yeah. talent than what he's going to face in the NFL. And yeah, yeah I, and I know I saw a tweet from Matt Hicks earlier saying, you know, don't judge a, a player based on what he's not asked to do in college. And, you know, I, we know he's always been a J.J. McCarthy guy, so we're going to trigger him here a little bit. But I, I don't know, man. It's like I have to ask, why wasn't he asked to do it? Right. Be because if he was more trustworthy, if he was I, – I, I don't know. It's like – why uh, 18 pass attempts, 140 yards, no touchdowns on the biggest stage in the biggest game. And I know they led the whole way, but 
It just seems weird. Like I, I can't think of an example of an elite quarterback that they were just like, yeah, handed off a bunch of times every game. Yeah, that he had a game earlier this year. I think he threw the ball eight times. It's like you play to your team's strengths, and so times? if you're not passing yeah. it a bunch, it's I, clearly the coaches don't think that's the strength of the team. So I yeah, don't know that, and that's that's where. I, I, I'm having a tough time getting past that. So I he's gotta, got some good traits. I don't know what to think of him, man. It it's not like yeah. he played bad. He just didn't play good either. Right, right. It just, I just, yeah. I don't get why why people are excited about him. So we'll have to see as we get into the the rookie analysis. We've obviously got several months to to break that down. We'll get every opportunity to do that. But on to the lessons learned and. We'll jump around here because I know I've got my list, you've got yours, and we'll kind of go back and forth. But the first, the mm-hmm. first one on my list, I'm going to call the uh, the Yoda rule, and <laughs> and that's the you know, judge me by my size, do you? <laughs> that's as, that's as good as it gets for for the Yoda impression. Well done, that's epic. thank you. It it was a mistake that that I've made for years. I mean, not a mistake I've made for years, but. It's a a thing that I've held on to, and I I just stayed away from smaller wide receivers, stayed away from smaller running backs, and the theory was they wouldn't get enough touches to be fantasy relevant, and if they did, they wouldn't be able to keep up with the physicality of the NFL, and there would be injuries, and this year of all years <laughs> proved that I need to reassess that that line of of, of analysis. I mean, look at you know, all of the top wide receivers for the most part are, are undersized guys coming out of college, you know, HN, you know, at Miami explosive when he's in there. Now, part of this is my concern with these players is that they're, they're going to get hurt. And that did hold true for some of these guys. I mean, while they looked great, Tank Dell, Devin HN, they also did get hurt. So there's a part of me that feels like, well, I wasn't exactly wrong in that analysis, but to completely fade them clearly was not the, the right mm-hmm. way to go. And, you can throw Gibbs in there too. Yeah, well, and and there's there's kind of the the rub, right? I didn't do it completely because I was I was all in on Gibbs from from day one before college <laughs> even started for him, and I. I did not let it go. I was like, nope, I'm still a Gibbs guy. I didn't let this impact my um, ability to go get Zay Flowers either. And he's had a very good, you know, rookie season. So, you know, long story short, I just, I'm going to, I'm going to not use that as much of a, of a thing when I'm, when I'm analyzing, an, analyzing these players and, you know, still take note of it. But if, if the film tells me that they're making plays, then so be it. And I'm mm-hmm. going to trust that, you know what? The NFL is adjusting too, and I need to adjust with it. And they're they're not shying away from these guys and they're getting these guys the ball and they're making plays. So let's let's ride that and, and add them to our dynasty rosters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think to go along with that, you know, my first lesson is to trust myself and be willing to go against consensus and bet on the right outliers. So, you know, around especially as we get closer to the draft and and people are really starting you know post combine people really get into all these numbers and they say like well if you look at the 310 players that mark these three categories since 2010 you only get 
two people that have ever had any kind of fantasy, you know, it's like these, the numbers people, and and I'm not against that. I think there's, those are very useful for fantasy football. Um, they'll point to like, Hey, what's the likelihood that a guy with this profile hits? Cause it just hasn't happened that often in the past. And I think you need to take that into account, but at the same time, to your point of looking at the tape and, and seeing what we see, I think you have to be willing to trust yourself and bet on it sometimes and say, you know what? Okay. Because he is an outlier, his price is depressed. Now he's going in the third round or the fourth round of this rookie draft. And that makes him a value. And I still really like what I see. And and so obviously that worked out for me with tank Dell. Um, they don't always get pushed down to the third or fourth round. Uh, Devin Achan uh, often was late first round, early second round. And he was, a big historical outlier. Uh, this is not like a, Oh, he's 195. This was like, no, we, we really don't have very many historical examples at all of somebody a chance size succeeding in the NFL. But I loved what I saw on tape. I love, I loved him landing with Miami and that system. And so I ended up taking quite a few shares and, you know, against consensus, too. I mean, Stroud was my QB1 all the way through. That was never consensus. Uh, that has turned out to be a pretty good take. Um, I trusted myself and faded Quentin Johnston from the very beginning, and, and that's turned out pretty well. So I think I really feel good about, especially with my rookie analysis, where I landed with a lot of this stuff, and it just gives me that confidence to trust what I'm seeing and to be willing to go for it, even if it, maybe isn't the most popular take or if it feels like I'm reaching on somebody or, or whatever the case may be. So. Yeah, I, I like that a lot. And and that's something that I've, I've had to remind myself. I feel like every year is, you know what, if you like a guy, trust your analysis and, and go with it. And if you're wrong, you're wrong, but at least, mm-hmm. at least you're wrong going with your guy instead of choosing somebody else based on someone else's opinion. And now, well, okay, I picked the wrong guy, but it wasn't even the guy that I liked. I just did it because someone else told me he was good. So yeah, that's, that's a great, a great piece of advice. You know, we got a few here that are, that are along the lines of like roster construction. And and my first one is, is just a, a good um, reminder this season that if you're in a super flex league, pretty much any quarterback has value and you have to be really careful when you're cutting a quarterback from your roster. (laughs) It, it does not matter if he's the backup or or whatever. I mean, if he's if he's one injury away from playing, he he has value almost across the board. And we've seen examples this season of guys that weren't even just one injury away and they ended up providing value and, and getting time. I mean, it, and from what I understand, it wasn't that crazy of a year from the number of different quarterbacks who started a game as, as it might feel right now, like Mm -hmm. someone did the analysis and said, actually last year, I think, I don't, I don't know if the numbers are exactly right, but like last year, there was like a few more quarterbacks who got a start than this year. And it felt like this year was crazy. So I think that's, it's a little more of the norm than what, what you might expect. And so that's my advice to people is, you know what, unless you, you really have to, to cut one, maybe you're in a shallower league, hold on to those quarterbacks and, you know, find somebody else at, at another position to, to let go. Cause you can probably pick, you know, a tight end up or a running back or whatever, but man, just don't, don't cut quarterbacks and, until you know they're done. I mean, 
we thought Flacco was done, and here you go. Yeah, I'm glad somebody somewhere along the line cut Flacco in one of my leagues because I spent all of my fab to pick him up right after. I mean, like this was I, I had Herbert in this league. And so, of course, the very last week of the fantasy regular season, Herbert goes down and this was a contending team. And I ended up winning the championship on the back of Joe Flacco, basically. So, yeah, I, you're you're right about that one. It, they don't normally normally when you pick up a backup quarterback, they don't come in and put up numbers like that. But if they put up decent QB two numbers and it, the position's thin enough and somebody's desperate, even if you're a rebuilding team, you can flip that player for a pick to, to a desperate contending team and, and get some value on a guy that, you know, a week ago was just a roster, roster clogger or whatever. So yeah, quarterbacks and super flex. It's, it's always shallow and people always need them. Yep. I like that. All right. What's your, what's your next one? I know you're going to get into a, to strategy when you're rebuilding. What, what do you want to tell the listeners about that? Yeah. So this was something that I learned the hard way on one particular rebuilding team. Uh, last year I had flipped a bunch of my vets for, for a number of picks and had kind of tore it all down. And, uh, I, I, it was a full rebuild, but I had kept some of the bones of the roster, right? So I had guys like um, Kyle Pitts was was there. I had uh, Jalen Waddle. I had Michael Pittman. And I felt like this is a pretty strong roster. And, and I had Deshaun Watson, who was out all of last year, which was some of what played into the rebuild. And I had Fields. And so anyway, the roster was looking like, hey, man, I was total tank mode last year, but I think I could just be a few pieces away this year and so i'm in the preseason and i was like well i have fields and i have deshaun and i have kenny pickett as my qb3 so i'm pretty good at quarterback i'm sitting at the 102 and i know that 101 is going to take Bijan, and i just don't really need a quarterback so i traded 102 for Brees hall because i was thin at running back and then i had like 109 and i traded that for Najee harris and at 104 Stroud was still sitting there on the board, was my best player available. And I was like, well, I could really use another flex player if I'm going to go for it this year. So I took Jackson Smith and Jigba. And, you know, JSN is fine. I still believe in him long term, but man, I could have had CJ Stroud, right? And really twice I could have had CJ Stroud because at 102, I could have had him and I traded him for Brees Hall. And then at 104, I could have had him and, and I took Jackson Smith and Jigba. And at 109, I could have grabbed Addison or Flowers, and then I had traded it for Najee Harris instead. And he, and that team ended up stinking again. Like I, that team sucked this year. I was ended up picking in the top. I think I'm going to be a top three pick again this year. So I thought, hey, let's let's go for it. And it just wasn't ready. And I shouldn't have made those decisions in the preseason. Is is what I'm trying to say. I should have been more patient. I should have taken the best player available in the draft. I should have used all of those picks that I had accumulated to really roster a bunch of young talent. And then if I wanted to go for it later, I could have made some of those trades later on in the year. You know, if I start the season and I start out hot and I'm like, Hey, I'm four and oh, maybe I really could make a run at this thing, but I need a running back. Then I could have gone and got a Raheem Mostert or something, right? Like, so I just made some stupid moves. I had myself in a really good position with that rebuild and, and I just rushed it a little bit. And so I think that's a lesson that I want to take with me uh, in the future. Cause I mean, we do play the game to win 
And that was kind of my theory on the whole thing is like, I, I don't want my rebuilds to last three or four years. I want to, I want a pretty quick turnaround, but in this case, I just rushed it a little bit. Yeah. I, I like that recommendation where you're not going to lose any value by making the picks, adding the young talent and, and you can always go for it later. I think, mm-hmm. I Especially think when you I get the, yourself in your evaluation. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think if I'm in the mode where, all right, I, I think this team is competitive and I'm going to start making that move. I want to make that during the season, mm-hmm. right? I want to, I want to establish myself early as, okay, yep. This team is, is being competitive as I expected it. Now let's see what I can do. Start looking at, you know, the standings, looking at the rosters of the teams that aren't doing so well. Okay. Are, are there a couple of players I can add there and, and get some, get some value to help, help my roster. So I, I like that a lot. I think that's, that's really good. I saw this or I experienced this a little bit in reverse where I was on the other side and it was a, it was a one QB league and I had Kamara and I got an offer of a 2024 first round pick for him. And this was before the suspension was announced. And I wasn't quite sure on my, on my roster, like, God, I don't know if I'm going to be competitive or not. And I just said, you know what, I'm going to take the offer. It's fair value. He, I, again, I didn't know how long he's going to be suspended. It came out three weeks. I was like, all right. I was kind of thinking it was going to be more, but still. And I, I just happened to look because I, I wasn't paying close enough attention to the season. The guy that traded for him, worst team in the league. Mm-hmm. I, so I got the 101 <laughs> going into next season. I, I had no idea until like a week ago when I looked. I was like, oh, well, that worked out. <laughs> so and, and I, I would not. I mean, I ended up making the playoffs and losing in the first round, but Kamara would not have mattered. I I I still would have lost in the first round. It's like, man, that in a, in a one QB league, I'll, I'll take Marvin Harrison jr. One one Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah. That, that team could use another stud wide receiver, but yeah, it's, so it's, it's a perfect example. The other way uh, we're going to discuss more lessons learned in just a minute, but first I want to make sure you know that the rookie big board is now partnered with underdog fantasy football. This is the best app for fantasy contests. They are running 2023 NFL playoff contests, as well as daily contests for the NBA, NHL, and more. You can join the RBB crew on Underdog by using the promo code RBB. It will get you a 100% match on your first deposit and help us grow. All right, a couple more here. My last one, again, sticking with the roster construction theme, and boy, did this season really solidify it for me. I'd already started transitioning over to, I feel like I have more success when I, when I build my core dynasty rosters around, you know, top end wide receiver talent, obviously mm-hmm. if it's a super flex league, you want to make sure you're good at quarterback, make sure you're good at, I think you want to be good at tight end because it's nice to not have to worry about it. If you have, you know, one or two really good tight ends, like, okay, I'm set. I don't have to worry about this position. You can then focus later on adding, you know, talent at running back, especially Mm-hmm. And when one of my, one of my leagues, I, I did just that. And my running back roster was a bunch of guys that were not highly valued going into the season. You know, they're, they're backups or, or starters that were, you know, what I'll call, okay, maybe they'll be good. Maybe not. You know, we didn't know yet a lot of unknowns and the, the lesson I learned is man, a lot of these guys became relevant maybe not like, like one of them was Kyron Williams. I mean, they didn't all obviously mm-hmm. become Kyron Williams good, but right. But you know, even, you know, like Zamir white, all of a sudden, Oh, 
Well, now he's he's getting an opportunity. Um, Ty Chandler, Minnesota, it's like, oh, now he's getting an opportunity. It's like there's so many of these guys where if if you like the prospect, and just because they're buried on the depth chart, don't just give up on them. So it's kind of like the super flex quarterback thing. Like just leave them stashed, and eventually they might get their chance. And I'm hoping like next season that proves true for a guy like Tank Bigsby. You know, he he mm-hmm. didn't get an opportunity probably because of himself. That doesn't mean that he's dead. It just means he just didn't provide value this season. He could still provide value in the next year or two. So I, I think he's a great stash on a dynasty roster because a lot of people, they're, they're probably ready to throw in the towel uh, on Bigsby. And so he, he's the kind of guy where, man, if I'm making a trade, maybe mm-hmm. I can get him as a throw in. Like, you know what? Okay, I'll do this. Throw in Bigsby, even though at the start of the negotiation, that might've been one of the guys I was eyeing all along, mm-hmm. but you know, get those sure. kinds of throwing guys. If, if you like Roshan Johnson from the bears, he could be another one of those guys where, you know, he kind of got some opportunity kind of didn't, you know, he was stuck in a, in a three headed monster there in Chicago. We don't know if that's still going to be the case. Who knows? He might end up being, you know, at least a 50, 50 split guy next year that could that could make all the difference and all of a sudden he's a he's a solid guy in in your you know flex position so that's that's what i want to go with is is these running backs you know don't don't take the high end guys get the get the guys that that you can get later for really cheap and they'll they'll they have a good chance of hitting if you have enough of them yeah i'm with you and some of my best rosters this year were kind of zero rb rosters um and I, I made the playoffs, didn't end up winning on either of these teams. But, I mean, I had one where Rashad White was my RB1, and that felt gross going into the year. But he finished really, really well, um, and he was pretty cheap. And, you know, and then you you piece in the gaps. Like, if you're doing a startup draft and you go really wide receiver, tight end, quarterback heavy early, and it starts to get real thin – at running back, you know, again, so Rashad White, I think, was the first running back that I drafted. But then late in the draft, I just started loading up on all these, like, backup type of guys. You know, Zamir White, uh, Raheem Mostert, who I didn't expect to be the starter. I thought, you know, it would be Jeff Wilson or maybe A-Chan. Um, Jerome Ford was another example. That, yeah, he's you know, a he, perfect example. He scored me a lot of points this year. Um, and – you know, uh, some other guys, I'm Ty Chandler, who most of the year didn't do anything for me, but late in the year, I was able to start him in some key matchups. And so those guys, even if it's just for a few weeks stretch, they can do really well for you. And if you if you really get to a spot where you're like, hey, this is a very strong team and I feel like a, a good running back could put me over the top, then you can go buy one later. And maybe even for cheap, right? Like you could have got Raheem Mostert for – relatively cheap at pretty much any point in the year just because of his age. So if you're a contender, you feel like you're one running back away, go throw a second round pick for Raheem Mostert and you're golden, right? And every year it seems like there's guys like that that you can go and and buy. And then on the flip side, if you're a rebuild and you go with a zero running back route and you've got a Jerome Ford that starts popping off, well, guess what? You can flip that guy for a second round pick now. You know, it's like if you're on a rebuilding roster and you've got all these handcuffed running backs, well, every single time one of those starters goes down, you take that handcuff on your roster, you flip them for a draft pick. Yep, and 100%. That's a quick, quick way to make a profit. So I, I love that takeaway. And um, for mine, 
I will say you mentioned Kyron Williams. Mine is always be willing to reevaluate your priors because um, I was not a Kyron Williams guy coming into when he was a prospect coming in as a rookie, wasn't a believer in him. Uh, and then, you know, when you throw in the combine and the day three draft capital and all of it, I was like, I felt very justified. I was like, ha, I was right. Kyron Williams, he stinks. Um, <laughs> you know, so I don't have any Kyron Williams shares. And so when he, started popping off early this year I, you know my first instinct was just like yeah sell 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 i didn't even like go and watch the tape i was just like yeah this guy's just a jag the only reason he's getting an opportunity is because cam Akers is cam Akers, and they just wanted him out and you know so this is i was like this is a temporary thing and i'm not a kyron williams guy just go take what you can get sell him which was bad advice for people by the way i'll own that uh, and then even later on in the year, I got offered. I, I was on a contending team. I had Keenan Allen, and you know, at the time he was top two wide receiver and, and a pretty big difference maker on my roster. And I was offered Amari Cooper and Kyron Williams for Keenan Allen. This was a few weeks before the playoffs. Oof. And I felt like, you know, this is pretty strong value that this guy's offering, but I don't really believe in Kyron Williams and I don't know. I, instead of having two depth players, let me just have the one high-end guy that's going to be a difference maker for me in the playoffs. So I rejected the deal. And, of course, Keenan Allen did not see the field for me at all in the playoffs. And if I had made this deal, because you, you remember Amari Cooper popped off. Yes. And then Kyron Williams was, was a league winner. So if I had made this deal, not only would I have added dynasty value to my roster, I would have won the championship. And the main reason that I turned down that deal was because I was like, I just don't, I don't really believe in Kyron Williams, but I think I'm a believer now. And it just took me way too long to get there because I just stuck to my priors of what I thought of him as a prospect. And, and I didn't go dig back into the tape and say, what's he doing this year in LA that's causing him to be so successful. So I think that's, that's a big takeaway for me is, is be willing to go back and reevaluate and not just stick to your guns on a guy. Yeah, that that's great advice. And I think to some extent we're all guilty of that. I mean, we just we we have our takes and we don't let them go. Mm-hmm. And you, you just you have to you have to do that. You have to say, "You know what? I I was wrong before. I need to I need to go add this player because he's way better than I thought he was going to be." Or of course, the 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 opposite is as well, right? I was high on him. And I, I just need to know when to cut bait. And the, the the problem with the with that side of it is now you're you're losing value, and it's hard to to accept that. It's like, oh man, I thought you know, like for the people that loved Quentin Johnston, they they spent a, a mid first round pick on him, mm-hmm. and he so far is busting out. Well, if they want to give up on him now, they're gonna take they're gonna take a loss on the value because no one's gonna give up a first round pick for him. Probably not a second either right so you know you can you can just say you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna take what i can get and be done which is a hard pill to swallow or you can say you know what he's still in a good situation it could have been just a bad rookie season i'm gonna i'm gonna ride it out and not give up on him too early i tend to be more that guy where Mm -hmm. it's like oh i 
I'm not going to sell them super low now. So let's just, let's just wait it out. And, and sometimes I think there are chances where it's like, yeah, I probably should have just gotten what I could have gotten for them and, and moved on. But it's, it's hard. It's, it's very hard. And I think identifying those players, the sooner you can do it and, and change, you know, your, your approach, the, the better, you know, and if you're in a lot of leagues, you can go with the strategy of, you know, if, if you've taken some of the same guys in your drafts consistently and there's one player that you keep fading because you don't like him, but a lot of people do, you, you can go with the, I'm going to, I'm going to take a, a just in case pick on this guy, even though I, I'm not high in him. I, I have actually done that now. It hasn't proven to work yet because it was Jalen Hyatt. <laughs> I, I was not high on and I took him in a league. It was late. And I was like, you know what? Just in case. And I'm like, all season long, I'm like, see, this is why I didn't like this guy. It, he's not that good. It, it's like. <laughs> that's, that's what you said earlier is like, if you're going to go down swinging, go down with your guy. Right. You right. Know? And that's and what I mean. That, that's a perfect example I, of why. Just I thought about. I thought about doing a just in case pick on. Quentin Johnston at one point it, it was one of my last rookie drafts and I didn't have any shares I'd completely faded him and I was on the board it was between him and Addison and I was like ah I, I don't know should I take a Quentin Johnston share I'm really glad that I didn't right right uh, <laughs> I'm really glad that I that I stuck to my guns on that but I really I thought about it I really did all right, folks, that is going to wrap it up for this one. I hope this provided some value to all of you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you have not already, do us a favor and leave a five-star review on whichever podcast app you are using. Make sure you're subscribed so you never miss any of the RBB action. For Matt, I am Skip. We will talk at you next week. Have an awesome weekend, everyone. Enjoy the playoffs. Take care.